I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Human Ordinary Podcast. Stories about what makes us human. Ever since I decided to do this podcast, I've been thinking that I would love to do a story on football. I just never really knew what. So for this story, I looked at the very human quality of being a supporter, of loving a football team, and what that means. I'm probably a little late with this podcast. I actually wanted to get it finished before the season ended, but now everyone's celebrating the Western Bulldogs' victory, and this might be a little bit irrelevant. But with six months to go until the next season starts, maybe this might help get you through. I hope you enjoy it. I love football. Not the round ball world game or the bum-sniffing type they play north of the border, but Aussie football. Footy. And save for a four-year period in my early 20s, I've always loved it. My dad brought me up to follow the now-defunct Fitzroy Lions. In his heyday, he had played a few games for their reserve side, and so I decided that we would follow them. But sometime before I was 10, I made the decision to support the Essendon Bombers instead. I can't say I'm a die-hard supporter, but when the Essendon drug scandal began in early 2013, it still felt like a kick in the guts. Uh, At short notice, uh, over the, the last 48 hours, the Essendon Football Club has received information about supplements that have been given to our players as part of the fitness program in 2012. The Bombers had reported themselves to the AFL and the Australian Sports Anti-Doping Authority, known as ASADA, over concerns with the supplements program they ran during part of the 2012 season. There seems to at least be an allegation that some sort of collective systematic form of substance abuse took place at Essendon last year, whether or not... It was honestly hard to believe. Especially the implication that James Heard, Essendon's great white hope, was at the centre of it all. What followed was a three-year saga of investigations, speculations, reports and soapbox preaching that culminated in the banning of 12 current players for the entirety of the 2016 season. The Bombers were bound for disappointment. No team could do well without half of its players, and for Essendon it was no different. They weren't even expected to win a game all year. So it was with some surprise that they got over the line as early as round two. This could be a massive momentum changer in the history of the Essendon Football Club. Fans were forgiven for fantasising about a mighty Ducks-like storyline for the season. A bunch of kids and ring-ins going all the way to Premiership glory. But of course, life isn't a movie and football is rarely sentimental. It took 19 weeks for Essendon to see its next win. Essendon is expected to finish last in the competition for the first time since 1933. Fans have endured a season to forget, watching their team get flogged and thrashed. But through it all, 
the Essendon cheer squad have been there. And I'm in a dugout under the MCG with 25 of them who have been selected to help raise the banner. Ropes, the banner's this way. Everyone's standing on the outside, make sure you go to the inside. We go around, around the back side. 105, 205 are going This up. is the final game of the year, and it's against traditional rivals Carlton, and it also marks the end of the player penalties. After this, the players can come back, and the club and its supporters can put the past behind it and look forward to glory and fame. It's quite a thrill being out in the ground before the game, although I'm too distracted by getting good sound to stand back and fully appreciate it. Although the banner is only made of crepe paper, because it's 18 metres long and 6 metres high, it can be quite heavy. Not to mention the fact that it can act like a sail in even the lightest of breezes. Sometimes holes are pre-punched into the banner to stop this from happening. Luckily, they're not needed today. Each end of the banner is secured by poles into a metal bracket which is then further supported by cheer squad members holding up its base. From the top of each end, two water ski ropes extend out, which are held by other members at the front and the back of the banner. This provides further balance. Chris, one of the cheer squad members, runs back and forth, instructing others to raise the banner, lower the banner, spin the banner, raise the banner. The cheer squad are pressed for time to have it up before the players come out. That's not football, all right? With the banner up, a thank you message to members and players is revealed to the crowd. Congratulations, number 29, Paddy Ambrose, 50 solid games. And below this, thank you to our 2016 recruits for choosing to don the sash. The recruits are the footballers who have stepped in to replace the band players. The team emerges and are through the banner in a flash. They didn't even seem to read or acknowledge the message and most lifted the banner up from the bottom to sneak under it rather than bursting through the crepe paper like footballers used to do. Hours of work the night before and all the effort of raising the thing on the ground. The squad works to clear the banner off the ground so the game can start. They don't have long and it's deceptively hard work. Unpack everything. As you can see, it's a good cardio workout for the week. And weights as well. So you get the whole full thing here, you get the atmosphere and a good fitness workout as well. And right now, I can barely talk. <laughs> and then it's done. The last time they raised the banner in 2016. Yeah, quite emotional. Trying to sort of suck it up and, um, and take their feelings in, I suppose. Enjoy it and, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's over and done with now. Love to hear banner back behind us and hope we can get a win today. With that job done, we walk back around to the goals at the punt road end and I sit five rows back amongst the cheer squad. And the game begins. First quarter. Who are the cheer squad? The night before the game, I was in a community hall in Essendon North where members of the cheer squad meet every week to make the banner. 
There's a real social vibe to the gathering. People chat about their lives and football and their plans for summer. A young boy walks around hugging some of the older women hello after he arrives, just like they were his nana or his aunties. Some of these women hang around in the kitchen, chatting and making tea for the others. They come for the love of Essendon, but they stay for the company of each other. We go out socially, apart from being in the cheer squad, um, and we do that on a regular basis. But that's friendships that we've had and connected with in the cheer squad. I'm just another supporter. Yeah, I dress up, I, I'm, I'm a bit different. I've always been a bit odd and, and that, but I don't see myself any better than anyone else. It's hard to miss Ricky Wheeler. My name's Ricky Wheeler and I've probably been a member of the cheer squad for about six years, I think. At the games, Ricky wears an Essendon jersey, black with a red diagonal stripe, with a red sports jacket over the top and black pants hand-painted with Essendon-themed pictures. He dyes his hair red and black and puts the red part up into a mohawk, revealing the letters EFC, standing for Essendon Football Club, shaved into the sides of his head. And it grows every year. I, I shaved it off last year and raised money for Beyond Blue. I think I raised about 1700 or 1800 last year for Beyond Blue. And um, Ricky is an out-of-towner. A small town in um, the West Wimmera called Edenhope, about half an hour from the South Australian border. Which means that he drives four hours every week to get to the banner-making night and then sticks around for the weekend so he can be at the games. It's a very tiring drive, it's a very lonely drive. That's coming to the games easier, but going home's harder. It's hard to, like, if, on a 4.40 Sunday afternoon game to get home at 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, and it's very hard to, um, to get up and uh, to have two hours sleep and to go to work or whatever. But if I didn't do this drive, I'd be sitting at home in the pub drinking again. Because he has been to every game this year, Ricky has driven the eight-hour round trip 16 times plus travel to interstate games. Now, it's, it's, it's not easy getting on a, do the four-hour drive and then a four-hour flight to Perth, knowing that you probably get beaten by 60, 70 points. It's not easy doing that. But for some reason, you, you feel like the, 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 the players need you there. And the reason for that commitment is pretty simple. I wasn't feeling well that day, and um, I'd been sick for a week, so I was home visiting my parents. They were looking after me. They dropped him home, and when they left... Ricky says he started feeling weird. And I started limping, so I raced. I raced out the front driveway, because I live in a small town, and I ended up in the middle of the road. And I was sitting down paralysed, and the whole side of my body was paralysed. He had suffered a stroke at 34 years of age. Luckily, neighbours were close by and drove him to the hospital. And I'm laughing in the car. I couldn't help but laugh. And now my father, he's about seven, tough old guy, he goes, um... Hey, B, you're probably laughing for. I was like, if I don't laugh, I'll bloody cry. <laughs> you know, I'm scared. Probably I tell people now, it's the best thing that's happened in my life. And, and, and why do you say that it's the best thing that's happened to you? Well, I started taking life more seriously. I, um, I, even though I had my son out there I was trying to find, I thought, well, I'm better off being a live father than a dead father. And partly because of doctor's orders, he gave up drinking. Um, and I didn't have it then. It'll be 13 years in February since I've had a drink. And it's been hard. It hasn't been, it hasn't been easy. It's been hard for moments where I've, I've wanted to have a drink or feel anxious, whatever, and just, I've had to just run off and walk out and that kind of stuff. 
But virtually, I yeah, took out footy because there was something missing in my life after the stroke. I had, I had nothing. I felt shitty. I felt depressed and all that. And no alcohol. And, and just had I was depressed and anxiety around my friends drinking. So then I became the chief to fill that, fill that gap of my son. And, and my cousin died not long after my stroke of a heart vibration. You know, and he was one of us, and he's probably worse than I am. You know, and he, he died in November. And I destroyed you know, so he's only 37, we're best of friends. His name's on one of those plaques at Windy Hill. Windy Hill is the old base and spiritual home of the club. You know, and every time I go to Windy Hill, his ashes are Windy Hill. Every time I go to Windy Hill, it's always a soft spot, whatever, and I always make sure I, um, I go and have a look at his plaque, that kind of stuff, and say, yep. yeah, they're the sort of things that have brought me to the club. And, um, and now it's, I love this club, and I just wouldn't, I could not, I want to do what I can to be the best supporter I can be for this club, you know, to be the best supporter. It's safe to say that Ricky is achieving this goal. He shows me a tattoo on his back. Virtually it covers my whole back now when it's not finished yet. I've got one more session to go and then it'll be finally finished after two years of getting it done. And shows the words, we are Essendon, beneath the faces of former players Matthew Lloyd. Could have possibly kicked a thousand goals if given the chance. And Tim Watson. And Timmy comes from down my way where I live. And the old coach, Kevin Sheedy. Sheedy's a coach, as I said, like such a, such a successful coach. In some places, the Essendon tattoo covers old ink. A couple of the faces look murky and distorted. But Ricky is having laser surgery to remove all of the old work, replacing it with this testament to his love for the club. Been a lot of pain, a lot of hours of sitting in there. And um, yeah, so that's something that is very personal to me. It's as if he is literally using the bombers to wipe away his old life. Yeah, and I, I want to be the best supporter I can be for the club, and um, and, and show people that um, you know that you don't have to drink to have a good time. You don't have to swear. You don't have to do this and that. You can. I, mean, I got talking to Trish, who told me she has been in the cheer squad for 39 years, which I thought would surely make her the longest-serving member. Maybe. I don't know, I don't know if it's actually official or not. I don't know. Trish didn't give much away. She was real friendly, but seemed a little uncomfortable talking to me. What, what makes football so special to you? I don't know, I just love going. I love doing what I'm doing right here, right now. You know, I love it. I do it because I want to do it, not because I have to. She told me that she had wished she could have gone to all the games this year, but couldn't afford it as she was supporting her son through university. She seemed very proud. Then there was Troy. My name's Troy Woods. I'm a one-eyed bombers supporter. My, my player was James Hurd at the time. Troy had a lot of love for the Essendon players. And I, I like Tippy Woody and uh, Sakuratas. I, I like on all. Nice. You got a number on your back? Who's number three now? Pa uh, it's Parrish. Oh, you know what? My, my jumper has number three on it. But that was back in the day with Paul Salmon. I like Paul Salmon. I like Darren Kickett. Simon Madden. Justin. We chatted for a while about our favourite players and our favourite moments. Um, when the Bombers got in the final, um, 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 comeback game, that, that was we a good game. And, and uh, when the Bombers made the grand final appearance, we, we got over the line against Mel Melbourne. I couldn't match Troy's knowledge of the club or its players, and I started to feel inadequate as a supporter. If you saw our house, our hallway has about 15 large Essendon pictures 
we've actually got a portrait that was done for us by an artist of Gary Moorcroft taking the mark of the year. Cheryl Trudd didn't make me feel any more adequate. My name's Cheryl Trudd and my husband and I have been involved with the cheer squad for 23 years. I came from a family where my father hated football. Cheryl's father was part of the Anti-Football League, a collective of people who wore a distinctive lapel badge to signal to others that they weren't interested in talking about footy. But she has always loved the game. And since she met her husband over 25 years ago, she has loved Essendon. And um, now it's sort of the kids' organised family functions around the football. They check the football fund. A fixture before they book anything. We couldn't go to Adelaide this year because how dare it, our grandson had his birthday on, on the same day as we played Adelaide. So we really couldn't go to um, Adelaide for that. Were you, were you conflicted at all? Yeah, my husband wanted to go to Adelaide. <laughs> and I said, no, we don't go to Adelaide and we don't go away for all the other grandchildren's birthdays, so he can't have it. And to make things worse, he's a Carlton supporter and we had to buy a Carlton football jumper and make a Carlton birthday cake. But never mind, that's another story. But Cheryl's love for the team is even a consideration in her health care. I had surgery off sort of probably 10, 12 years ago and my doctor said, you've got to go in to have surgery. And I said, yes. He said, is there any particular time that you would prefer to have it? So I looked at the fixture, unbeknown to him, and I said, um, well, I could have it such and such a week because we had an interstate game, we had a bye, and then we had an interstate game. This meant she would have three weeks to have the surgery and then recover without missing any of the Melbourne-based games. If there's an occasion that we can't go, we, it really is hard to take. Cheryl says that football is her and her husband's main form of entertainment. It was the one thing we had in common, really in common, was our love of football. And everything surrounds it, you know, you buy clothes, you buy red and black clothes, you know. I mean, I had to stand away I noticed when I finished work, I looked at all the clothes that I'd worn to work and 90% of them were red and black. I mean, it was ridiculous. I had so many red and black clothes. I've sort of gone away on purpose. So it's but in your subconscious. It is, it is. You really do. You think of things and, you know, and I mean, it unfortunately gets ingrained into your grandchildren too and your children, like our 11-year-old granddaughter. She was... Oh, about seven, and Santa bought her a pair of thongs, very expensive thongs, but they were black and white. She wouldn't wear them. Santa should have known I wanted red and black ones, not black and white ones. I'm not wearing them, they're Collingwood. She said to me on Christmas Day, Nana, you'd think you'd know, wouldn't you? Red and black! Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
At the end of the first quarter, Essendon have kicked three goals to Carlton's two and lead by four points. Second quarter. What does the cheer squad do? My name's Glenda Wade. I'm on the coordinator of Essendon Cheer Squad. Glenda is quite the general around these parts. She comes up with the banner messages each week and is hardly ever standing still, wandering around making sure what needs to be done is getting done and that everyone is enjoying themselves. How do you make a banner? How do we make a banner? <laughs> I've got experts to do that for me. <laughs> the banner is made by forming crisscrossing rows and columns of crepe paper. It takes hours to do and the thing is massive. It's around about 13 rolls for one banner of crepe. That equals about 260 metres of crepe paper every week. And it's probably more in tape, as they have to stick down each join of paper multiple times. One person stretches the tape out, while another presses it down with their feet. Shoes off, so as not to damage the banner. And we have so much fun, you know. Everybody has their own little jobs that they know that they've got to do, like the people cut out the letters, and that's all they do. But that's fine. There's people that do the backings. That's fine. Next, they lay out the letters and make sure the message can fit. Everything is then taped on with yet more sticking. We had Michael Hurley came last year to a banner making night and he was fascinated. He said, you know, I'd never ever thought what went into making a banner. And it is. It's quite, you know, unbelievable when you see us weaving the banners and sticking the letters on and things like that. Once the banner is complete, each end is attached to pole sleeves bearing the logo of two of the club's major sponsors. It's then carefully folded up, squeezed into a massive canvas bag and dumped into the boot of Glinda's car. Unusually this year, the cheer squad has been getting a bit of notice from fans, most notably so when the team lost to North Melbourne. The cheer squad, thankful for the effort the players displayed, gave the losing side a standing ovation. So that's great to get some positive feedback from people. And we've had a fair bit of it this year, which is good. Because I said to everyone at the beginning of the year, no matter what happens, we're going to cheer these players off every match. And that's what we've done. Back at the game, I meet Brad. I'm just um, the president of the SA Bombers in South Australia, so uh, I come over as, as much as I can, and I get the privilege of coming out every now and then and doing the, the, the banner with the cheer squad. So how many people in the SA Bombers? Uh, we've got about 600-odd members on our database, but um, there's quite a big following for Essendon in, uh, in South Australia, so there's a, an untapped um, wealth. Like the players in the field, the cheer squad have set plays certain things that they do at particular moments. Each goal is followed by... Each kick out accompanied by a distraction technique for the opposing team. And every now and then, they break into spontaneous chant. Rather often, Cheryl's husband, Len, lets the umpires know what he thinks of them. How about some fair umpiring, you idiot? Here's our 50-year green scum! That's what you get for 
Oh, you idiot! It's clear that he doesn't think much of the umpires, at least for this year. You try, you, you try not to look at decisions through biased eyes, but come on. Yeah. I mean, and sitting within the cheer squad, it's difficult to hear anything other than the cheer squad. It's difficult not to get swept up in it all. There's so much feeling here. I'm amongst a red and black army, and they are doing a bloody good job making their team feel supported. The Bombers go into the long break, 19 points in front. Third quarter. So why Essendon? Don't know, to be honest. I've just, like, I used to play for Coburg years ago. So, yeah, like, I don't know. I just fell in love with Essendon back then and just been my passion for my whole life. This is Adam. And I'm a first-year member in the Chiefs squad. And like Adam, I don't know why I chose Essendon either. Looking back, it seems like a rather arbitrary choice. Uh, the day I um, turned to, uh, to become an Essendon member or an Essendon supporter was uh, the 83 grand final. I thought, bugger Hawthorne. Maybe I can't explain it. There really was no particular reason why I should have chosen the Bombers over another team. And I bet essays and theses could be written on why people gravitate towards a certain club over another. Maybe it's innate. Similar to liking or hating coriander. You can't really explain why you feel one way or the other. You just do. And it's just the, the passion you, you show, I suppose, in everyday life. You've got to have one thing that you stand up for and one thing you show true passion towards. And football really gives that to you, to the average supporter. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't think twice about following Essendon around Australia. or. For many in the cheer squad, though, it's a family thing. Why? My grandfather helped start the social club. I had my uncle Jack, who was a politician. He had a deceit of Midri for more than 20 or 30 odd years. He played for Essendon. He wore, wears number, he wore number 20, 21. He only played six games when he played a lot of reserve games. That's why. Uh, my dad and I made the choice for Essendon to be a good side. I'd stick with him. I love, I love me bombers. And, and is your dad still around now? Uh, my dad lives in the country, a um, place called Port Macquarie, and he, he's a, he's a, he's a bom bomber man. I was a Melbourne supporter as a child. Then I let, met my husband, and of course he was Essendon. We lived in Essendon. I still barracked for Melbourne for a while, but it just didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. I went to Essendon games. I didn't go to Melbourne games. And then in 2000, we played them in the grand final. Well... I was already an Essendon member by this stage, well and truly, but I still had a little inkling for Melbourne in my heart. And my husband says to everybody, I knew the day I really had her was the day we played Melbourne in the grand final and she cheered for Essendon. <laughs> so, and it's been ever since. Brought up in an Essendon household, we didn't have much choice, but... It's highly probable that you've seen the banner Ricky made after the drug scandal started. They often focus on it when the Bombers play on TV. It says simply, red and black and damn proud. To me, it's something that says what I think of the club. I am proud of the club, I'm proud of the supporters, I'm proud of the players, I'm proud of the club itself, you know, and, and everyone on my chair squad, the members, even the supporters who don't make games with that. Sit at home. They're still part of our club. They might sit at home on the telly, but they're still part of our club. 
the end of the third quarter, Essendon have piled on the goals and lead Carlton by 47 points. It's nearly an unassailable lead, but no one is counting their chickens. But the Bombers are about 30 minutes away from ending their horror year with a win, and so there's genuine excitement behind the goals. One more quarter. We've got one more quarter for the year. Come on. One more for the quarter for the year. Oh, yeah. Fourth quarter. The end of the beginning. Although the drug scandal has undoubtedly brought negatives to the club, it will still be forever remembered as the start of a new era at Essendon. It's pretty disheartening that it happened to our club, but in saying that, if it had have happened to another club, I don't think that they probably would have been able to survive. Like, I mean, we've, we've been pretty lucky. We've got the fan base and everything else. That, you know, we've all pulled together and got through it. Whereas, sort of, we have, we have been betrayed, probably, if, if you want to use those words, but it's something that's happened. It maybe shouldn't have happened, but it's happened. We have to deal with it. We have to support our boys, support our club, and get on with it. Mm. Because... Nothing we can do, us being cross, is not going to fix the problem. Well, when I first came out, I was working in the shooting shed. I was gutted. I thought, nah, this, this is right. But, yeah, I, I, I was scared. I, I, I was scared. I was scared that um, we wouldn't have a team. I was scared that we, we could fold. I was scared. So, yeah, it's been a tough time. But, you know, like normal when it's a tough time, you dig deep and you give even more and you show your support. It's curious this unspoken virtue of loyalty to a football team. I mean, there's no law that says you can't go for a different team each week, yet most of us will choose a side when we're young and then stand behind them for the rest of our lives, through thick and thin. No Bulldogs or Saints fans that I know have ever seen a premiership, but yet there they are, supporting their team week after week. It's tribalism at its most obvious, the need to belong, to identify with some, and to hate on others. You know, to be honest, there was certainly at least one time where I questioned whether it wouldn't just be easier to choose another team, to be done with Essendon and all this drama. I could have jumped ship for the Doggies or the Swans or even got behind the Giants. But in the end, I decided to stick around. And I'm glad I did. Because you know, even though I can't explain this loyalty and why it's so important, it feels good to be a part of a team. It's important to stick with the team because those boys have to stick with the team. Those boys have to go out every week. They have to be supported. And if we don't support them, why are they going to go out every week and try their hardest? And if you're an Essendon supporter, that's what you are. You're red and black. We're not going to walk away from the club. What's, we can't change what's happened in the past, but we can change the future. And for a club that's got great supporters, it's got a great future. Like I said, there's been no evidence at all. Like, yes, we took, you know, we took um, penalties for, you know, bad governance and stuff like that. But as for every one of those players, there was nothing to prove that anything was actually done wrong and they've all had to wear it. So, yeah, I feel, really, really feel for them. This view is common among Essendon supporters, that the players did nothing wrong and are just scapegoats for others. It was a mistake, whatever went on. You know, we don't know what went on, um, and I don't think we ever will know completely what went on. And we just have to deal with it and get on with it and cheer our boys. Perhaps this is a defence mechanism. If we acknowledge that our heroes are fallible, that they knowingly acted against the rules and the spirit of the game, that they cheated, 
then how can we give them the support that they need? And more importantly, the support that we want to give them. Maybe we're all suckers. Saps who have fallen for the biggest swindle in Australian sporting history. Maybe Essendon is not just legally guilty, but also morally as well. But even if that is all true, I don't think it matters. Not to me, and certainly not to the cheer squad. With all the toxic things in the world, if your addiction is a football team, then you're doing pretty good. And if that addiction brings joy to hundreds of thousands, while the worst it does to the world is engage in a shady supplements regime, then you're one up on a lot of people. But most importantly, these past three years are fleeting and insignificant in the grand scheme of things. The Essendon Football Club has been around for over 100 years. And um, the club would be there in 150 years. No matter what happens off the field and who is playing on it, we will always have 22 players in red and black to support. Because like the last three years, players are also fleeting. Coaches are fleeting. Controversy is fleeting. But the red and black can be forever. And let's face it, football is nothing without the supporters. If there aren't people who dress up in the team colours and go along to each game and cheer on every mark and every goal, then it's just 44 sportsmen playing a game that no one cares about. The Australian Football League and football as a sport exists because of supporters. I remember being at a party once where I got into a bit of an argument with a guy about football. He was saying that why would I like football? It was stupid. It was inconsequential. You know, everything is inconsequential. Sure, football, but then music, movies, politics, it all doesn't matter. I would think that the only thing that matters in this life is having fun and sharing love. And I can tell you that at football games, there is a lot of love and fun to be had. There's passion. There's pride. And there's glory. Yeah. If it wasn't for football, what do you reckon you'd be passionate about? Uh, gee, if it wasn't for football, yeah, that was a big hole without football. Big hole. Like you don't that. even contemplate yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. During the last quarter, Carlton had been clawing back the deficit, kicking three unanswered goals in the first ten minutes. A worrisome funk descends over the cheer squad as they fear the Bombers are steering off course into the familiar territory of admirable defeats. Carlton trail by 26 points, ground easily made up with the time remaining. But then Essendon manages to kick another goal and defend well enough to keep their opposition from ever again looking dangerous. With five minutes to go in the game, the cheer squad relax and begin singing. No one much watches the rest of the game. Carlton kicks another goal and threatens to kick more. They certainly played better in the last quarter, but none of it matters. As the final siren sounds, the crowd erupts and the year that was comes to an end. Essendon winners by 24 points. After the players have celebrated in the centre of the ground, they make their way down to us. The coach, John Warsfold, gives an interview which is broadcast on the stadium screens. The cheer squad chants out his name. 
He thanks the supporters and the players who came in to make sure the Bombers could field a side. Meanwhile, players walk along the perimeter of the fence, shaking hands, signing autographs and chatting with fans. In the crowd, strangers in red and black hug. They give high fives and they chat as old friends. There is more jubilation here than I've seen in a football game in a long time. To the rest of the world, this game doesn't matter. But to the tens of thousands of people in red and black at the ground, and all those more in pubs and at homes all across the country watching the game, this is like a mini grand final. To finish with a win, especially when it's only the third win for the year, brings a lot of happiness to the cheer squad. They'll walk out of the MCG as winners, voices hoarse from cheering for two hours at relative strangers who feel like family. It'll be six months before they join together again to make a banner and sit behind the goals at a match, but when they do, there'll be hope. Hope that today marked the beginning of a bright future where all anyone cares about is the football being played on the field. Calm the mighty bombers. Indebted to the Essendon Bombers cheer squad for this story, particularly Glenda, Ricky, Cheryl, Len, Troy, Brad, Trish, Adam, and Chris. Thank you for being a part of the podcast and for sharing a little bit about yourself. Also, thanks goes to the Essendon Football Club. The Human Ordinary Podcast is produced by me, Sam Loy, in Melbourne, Australia. The theme music is by the Contortionist Handbook. You can find the podcast on Facebook or on Twitter, or we've got a website, humanordinary.com. Check out the website for photos that accompany the stories. Thanks for listening. Hope to talk to you again. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.